the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 25, recorded Friday, January 20th, 2012. Audio is audible. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It's time again for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. With us this week is Rich Fergoza, fresh off the CES trail. He is at R. Fergoza. He's from FergozaDesigns.com. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Uh, Dawn, Mead, Dawn Mead is also with us. She is the AV Dawn, a wonderful uh, AV consultant, blogger, writer, thinker, and person. How are you, Dawn? Very good, thank you. And she's fresh off a, a, uh, a bagpipe and drum competition, so I'm not sure which was crazier, CES or, or bagpipes and drums. So Th- That can be a draw, actually. <laughs> uh, they, they're both just hardcore rocking. That's Nothing rocks more than the bagpipes. Yeah. Uh, Craig McCormick is also here. He's from Commercial Integrator uh, from Beantown. Hello, sir. How's it going? Good. And also a, a surprise guest uh, for us this week, Kevin Iselli. Kevin is from Crestron.com. He is the DM guy. <laughs> I'll probably get him in trouble for saying that. But Oh, boy. Again, forever labeled. How's everybody doing? If, if you if you have any, any questions about DM, if you need to get trained on DM, he invented DM. It was well, not no, nothing from that. <laughs> uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, Dr. Randy uh, Lemke retiring from Infocom. Big thing there. AMX's digital solution, uh, wireless audio. But first, as we mentioned, we had Rich on for about five, ten minutes last week from the CES, uh, CES uh, show four. However, because you have 150,000 people, I didn't want to risk the bandwidth, <laughs> to be honest about it. You know, have Rich drop off mid-sentence. So we decided to kind of take a break, give him a week to uh, to recuperate both physically and mentally and emotionally from CES and kind of give us a, a rundown. He, he guest blogged for, for CE Pro and we'll go through some of their stuff as well. But, but Rich, we'll start out with you. What my, my first question to you really is, is what did we not see in the coverage? Because there, there was a lot of coverage. So is there something that maybe wasn't covered or, or should have been covered that, that maybe the rest of uh, the rest of the bloggers and the the reporters missed. You know, I, I got to say that every time I turned around, it, it seemed like uh, each magazine had just phenomenal coverage. I think that um, what you did not see a whole lot of was there was a, a conspicuous la- lack of like Wi-Fi coverage because I don't think a whole lot of people were focusing on that. Um, the the traditional fare that we were seeing for the integrators, I think, you know, wound up being covered at Infocom and at. Cedia and where CES is the consumer electronics show, uh, I think that there was a, a bit of a lull in terms of actual ground-shaking news that, that we would be expecting. I mean, obviously, the big ones that we saw were, were OLED 
and uh, and the Crystal TV. I mean, those the between the you know I was calling them the big four between Sony, Samsung, uh, LG, and uh, and Toshiba and 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 Sharp, I guess too. Um, you know, the, the five of them really um, bringing all of their wares out. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it was pretty well covered between Mashable, The Verge, you know, the local um, uh, magazines and, and online outlets and everybody else that was on there. It was pretty well covered. And then, you know, me being the, the roving reporter at some point was, uh, was I, I think it was pretty well covered by the time you, you looked at everything. Now, you, you told us about the, the crystal last week, and I, I was excited because, you know, it's, it's LED-type stuff, or it's, at least it looks like it. Somebody had, had written this week that they think, at least in their opinion, that it's just Sony's OLED reduxed. Is that valid, or were you close enough that maybe, maybe you couldn't have seen that? No, I, I, I sat right in front of it. I mean, uh, there was there's only two prototypes in the world. Um, and they were both there. That crystal, and they were both there. And it was what was even funnier is as I was standing there, um, they had basically two people guarding each of the booths, and a some form of random Sony PR person literally started to step onto the podium where the set was and was going to bring somebody on to start touching it. And it was like watching a Secret Service squad descend <laughs> on this woman who had no clue what was going on at that point. Uh, and they they very quietly and faithfully escorted her out of the way. And I just looked at her and said, wow, that's somebody who just might have cost herself her job not knowing what was going on at that moment. And just walked away, had no idea what was going on. And uh, like I've been telling people, I mean, what we were looking at was Sony's $3 billion bet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, by with the news of, of everything that they're pulling out, and and as opposed to OLED, which is still using the organic LEDs as the lighting structure for the pixels, Sony's statement is that no, we are not using this to light the pixel base. We are we are using these uh, LEDs as the actual display source. There are six million individual LEDs, one for each one for each segment of the RGB spectrum. To display it, and it was bright. Um, and you know, I mean, you, you you don't get much better black level than off. No, no, you don't. And that, see, here's the, the the issue that I'm having with this is that it is Sony, and and, and God bless them. It's you know, they had a great Walkman, and they had some really cool, you know, Beta decks, which it, which did return. By beta the way. decks? Are you kidding me? No, the Walkman. Oh made its return mp3 player uh yes mm-hmm. with their new don't call it itunes sony music service um uh, and yeah i agree with you you know i it's it's i, I think it was with sony's potential way of saying you know we're gonna go out on our own and in the same way that blu-ray helped them out and and the ps3 helped them survive um that by differentiating themselves from the other manufacturers Perhaps it gets them back into into the black. Time is going to tell. Uh, you know, I mean, the the story of CES is that you know you don't announce delivery times or prices. You just put it out there and go, look how pretty it is, yeah. and then everybody walks away. CES is is probably the worst for vaporware. And if you don't know what vaporware is, it's it's a pretty little box that you see at a trade show and you never see again. So, <laughs> Don, let's ask you this: Is this kind of Sony's? You know, all my chips are in. We're all in on this on this crystal thing, or is this just another one where you know they're going to help the, the technology move along, kind of like what they did with OLED? And then almost when it gets ready to ship, they like, ah, we're bored. 
You know, that I mean, that's a really good question. I think um, they're, they've been desperately trying since the success of the Walkman and the, and the you know, the, the, the decks that they used to have. They, I mean, they used to be this major powerhouse, and now they're just one in a crowd. And, you know, I think we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. You know, they're considered like like the Cadillac or the Oldsmobile of technology. Like everybody's parents has Sony. And everybody that's you know everybody that's young and with it uses all the other brands and 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 pats their mom on the head and says goodbye with your Sony you know way, way to go mom that was a good purchase but no I won't have it at my house okay. so you know I think they're they're desperately trying to find that that next little bit of lightning in a bottle that they can just seize onto and and ride to to the glory days of yesteryear and uh, you know I mean. I, I'm still personally waiting for OLED. I, I want to see it hit the market hard. I've been waiting for it excitedly for more than five years now, you know, since we saw the first prototypes. So, you know, I think it, you can't just abandon the technology when it gets to the stage that it's actually about to hit the market. Well, that's almost what it feels like they're doing. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's silly, you know. It's like they're they, leaving they somebody the at the altar. <laughs> right. Just, and well, it. Well, yeah. Or, or, or the fact that they have other people that are actually jumping on board with it and advancing the technology right, right along with them. It's like, no, no, we want to have our technology. Once it's at the market, everyone else can jump on board, like in the days of the Walkman. And I think those days are past. You know, they got to get their head out of you know 1983 and and welcome to 2012. People, it's it's a new era. You know. So but yeah. I, I, so is is Sony a hipster? Is that the deal? <laughs> <laughs> that everything that what I'm doing is cool, but if anybody else acknowledges it or finds out about it, it suddenly ceases to be cool. I, I think they're, 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 they should have seen it live. I'll yeah, bet. yeah. They're, they're kind of like the aging hipster, yeah. you know, <laughs> the old guy that's still trying to be a hipster, not like the nouveau hipster. So it's it's the old guy who saw Dylan live, you know, yeah, exactly. when, when he was Dylan. So, so, so Rich, is, I have a question. Is, is Sony basically the, the, the guy walking around with the uh, the real tight fitted like affliction shirt, you know, and the really bad sunglasses in the room. Yes. <laughs> so go, go ahead, Kevin. Rich, the question would be since you were out there and unfortunately I, I was not and I didn't get to see, uh, when you compare the OLEDs that you saw out there versus the crystal, what was your what's your impression? Uh well, the, the, the one thing is that with the, uh, the crystal, there's, there was no specs in terms of the overall thickness of the set. That's one thing that they very uh, dramatically tried to stay away from in terms of what the actual size of the unit, because, again, they were prototypes. Um, the one thing that I will say that I noticed right off the bat was uh, the, uh, from the crystal itself was just how well it handled motion. Uh, but again, you know the way that it was set up and the the displays that they were using and the the, the artifacts. It's got to be optimized for what they were trying to show off. Um, the the color range was really vivid. Uh, the the black level was pretty stunning. You know, in terms of me between the two, noticeably different between the two. Um, I would say black level was was better in in the in the crystal um, motion, unless I had them like right next to each other. To be able to see, and if I threw up, say, a sporting event or something that was a little bit more fast twitch pace, I'd get a better idea in terms of uh, my overall response to the unit. Um, the thickness, like I said, I'm not sure about. That's the one thing that I'd be interested in finding out is actually how big is this, how big is the bezel, and how big is the thickness of the unit going to be. Um, 
you, you know, they, they got so close at this point. You got to figure that if the OLED is lighting the pixel base and the LEDs are going to be the light source, they're going to be pretty close to one another at this point. Uh, you know, ISIS is really just an advancement of the technology. I mean, they just blew the doors off of the LCDs. It was just, it was so readily night and day different um, in terms of just the jump in the technology, in the color saturation, in the color accuracy, just everything across the board with these new sets. And it was like we were talking about I, I, a while back, Kevin, is that OLED is everything that we've all been, you know, trumping it up to be. And then to see a, you know, anywhere from a four millimeter to seven millimeter thick bezel, it was just nuts. You know, I mean, you can barely turn to the side and see it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Rich. I was just curious because you know what I know of the crystal, um, the crystal TV, using still a LED based technology as the light source. That's, I mean, that's fine and good. Um, I'm just curious about what what type of um, recreation we have of the color spectrum on there. I haven't seen any specs on it. Well, Which that's is what makes OLED so attractive. They weren't necessarily yeah. going to throw like a spectrometer on it just yet. Uh, you know, again, they they had engineers standing by the entire time in case any if, in case anybody even breathed on the uh, on the display. Funny. That's to <laughs> fix it in case it <laughs> broke. That is exactly it. All right, continuing on, uh, let's do some fun stuff. Rich has the uh, the seven weirdest products at, at CES. My two favorite is the Beaverbot because. I have a five-year-old, and you know she's all about Justin Bieber and the uh, electronic <laughs> cigars. What was your your kind of your kind of favorite weird product there? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, still though, my my favorite at this point is still is the Emperor, the workstation. Yes. There is a uh, there is a heated battle in the Fragosa household to get an Emperor <laughs> in here. For and my and remind folks how much this thing is and what it is. The Emperor Workstation, named after the Emperor Scorpion, is an uh, actuator-driven, uh, ergonomically designed workstation, which allows you to basically sit in uh, to the unit and have anywhere from a 32-inch display to three 24-inch displays set side-by-side, side, basically in your own nerd cocoon. Uh, that's about <laughs> the best way that I can explain it. Fully integrated sound system. Uh, everything is in, inside, and it's... Uh, it's kind of like your own simulation ride, and uh, and it can be yours in uh, what was it? It was in Mac White or PC Black uh, for for the bargain price of six thousand dollars. And so uh, I am I am actively campaigning with my wife to explain that the ergonomic design allows for you know better back health and productivity, mm -hmm. and really you know it's six thousand dollars you know all that much for for her love of me. So so far <laughs> the answer is no. Um, <laughs> Tell her it'll help you. It'll help you live longer. That may not be yeah, an exactly. a good argument, and, but and, and again, that might be a counterproductive yes. argument at that point. <laughs> she's she's uh, ready to send you back back to CES so you can get sick again. Exactly. Yeah, and those electronic cigarettes were heinous. That was just <laughs> it was so brutal. Um, yeah, when somebody touts a flavor as nicotine, you really know that you're in for a bad <laughs> you're in for a bad ride to begin with, and so. Uh, Yes, and of course, you know the the, hand, the woman hands it to me, and and being the uh, being the good journalist that I am, I decide to go ahead and uh, you know for the sake of bringing sacrificing my health for you, uh, <laughs> decide to go ahead that. and test it out. And a half hour later, I'm still wheezing off of that. Thing. You um, still have the aftertaste. Oh, it, it was it was pretty rough. It was absolutely pretty rough. Um, so yeah, we had a we had a whole lot of fun on that one. Um, 
Yeah, so we had, let's see, so we had the Emperor. I, I, I got to say, I still think the Emperor was my favorite out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, and then the other ones, well, you know, we lived through. And the, the Bieber bot, it was just ridiculous. Uh, the amount of people just standing around for a glimpse. Uh, it had to be a good, I, I'm going to say it was at least 2,000 people deep just what? trying to get a glimpse of him. Um, I happened to fall upon the crowd by accident. I think I even took a picture of it from afar. And, and that was about as close as I was going to get. It was and, the back of the line. <laughs> and it was, it was the back of the line. And, you know, just random people running up and, and you know, trying to take pictures of it. It was, uh, it was very odd. Uh, can't, can't say that uh, the Beebs was uh, something that I was going to, you know, camp myself out to try to get the, uh, the perfect photo for. I was not. I, I still can't. See, I can't hear the name without thinking of Ozzy going. What's a Bieber? <laughs> I, I was going to say you don't like her enough to stand in line to see. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. And then the uh, the uh, and then the uh, what was it the the home server, which was basically the super Roomba. Um, I guess I, I I would have touted it more as as a device to clean up after your puppy than after your geriatric person. Uh, <laughs> and see, I, I, when, when I was a single man, I had a Roomba for my apartment. It was great. I turned on, yeah, I turned it on on Saturday morning, let it run for a couple hours, and it was done. You know, or maybe the drunk frat boy. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you got the guy who, you know, you got the college kid who's had too many beers and he soiled himself. Send the super Roomba out, which is basically this thing to to clean them and and the thought of you know what are the sanitizing agents that it actually shoots out. To just yeah, you know what? Yeah, I was just, you know, was, I just kept thinking about what was it? It was like soiling green. It's people, baby. It's people. <laughs> oh man! All right, you're listening to AV Week. That right there is Rich Fergosa. Uh Don Meads with us, Kevin Iselli, and Craig McCormick. Craig McCormick's a writer, and he writes for Commercial Integrator. Uh, he, he wrote this piece this, this week, and, and we'll get into this uh, a little bit. But I actually like, like your your first couple lines here. Uh, it's about Randy Lemke and, and him retiring uh, as the head of, of Infocom. Uh, Greg writes, instead of racking up frequent, frequent flyer miles, Randy Lemke says he'll spend his retirement enjoying the serenity of Chesapeake Bay, volunteering in and around his community, and taking in some of the arts with his wife, Judith. That's right. Randy Lemke, he's uh, stepping down after 16 years. He's been the head for about 10 or 11 years uh, at, at Infocom, but he's been there for 16 uh, we'll start with you, Craig. Kind of what what does this mean for Infocom? I mean, what does what does Infocom look like with, without Dr. Lemke? Yeah, I I think it's you know an opportunity for them to you know kind of advance on some of the the good things that the Randy has has obviously done for them as the, uh, the as the CEO and executive director and and maybe you know take things in in a little bit of a different direction if that's what they they decide to do. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about you know, AV and IT convergence, and and maybe they'll they'll find somebody that's, uh, you know, kind of has a little has some expertise in that. Um, you know, it maybe they'll find somebody who is the next Randy Lemke. You know, that's that's what he said. You know, they they don't necessarily have to find somebody who's exactly like me, and maybe they will, maybe they won't. So, it, um, I think it's good that they're you know starting to put together you know the the parameters of the search committee so so early because it, it it probably means that they'll have a better chance of finding the right person to uh, to keep it going so yeah because he's not living leaving until the end of the year so they've got right. a good 12 months he actually re- turned in uh, his his official notice to the 
the organization last month and made it official this week. Don, any time that we have leadership change, and, and last month, uh, you know, we had the, I, I guess, the elimination of the position at, at Cedia uh, because, uh, you know, the uh, that wasn't even filled. They, would, they, did, they vacated that position. But who, maybe not who as a specific person, but what kind of person uh, can can take the helm at the end of this year into 2013? Well, you know, I honestly have to say whoever takes the position has some awfully big shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. And not just because Randy is very, very tall. Um, (laughs) That's the other thing. You you know where Randy is in Focom at all times. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's very you know he he has a bird's eye view of the show just standing there. Yeah. I mean, he, but he's a wonderful guy. I mean, one of the I've only been in Infocom. My career has been all entirely under his reign as head of Infocom. I mean, I've been in the industry for pushing fourteen years. He's been head of Infocom for sixteen. So I've only known Randy as the head of Infocom. Um, and and the the beautiful thing about Randy is, you know, he's so friendly. It doesn't matter who you are. If you show up at, at the Infocom facility for a class or something or you see him at the show, he has no problem coming up and saying hello to you and talking to you. And he's just a genuine nice guy. If you're willing to volunteer for his association, he loves you. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, now there may be people out there that have opposite experience and, you know, say, oh, Randy Lemke, what a jerk. But, I mean, he's just always been fantastic to me. You know, I, I love seeing him. He comes right up to me and talks to me when I was vaguely aware that that guy's important at Infocom. And he would just come up and say hi and ask how I liked the show and, you know, how I, how I was enjoying, you know, the event. I mean, he's just fantastic. And you need someone like that who doesn't just get the business of it, but also gets the personality of it. You know, we, we're an association, but we're made up of people. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with you're a company, but you have people working for you. You have people working with you. And I'm, I'm all about relationships He's done a fantastic job giving Infocom great relationships, and I hope whoever takes his position at the end of the year um, can even fill part of his shoes because if they do that, they'll still be a success. One thing I think is is interesting is that you know before he joined Infocom, he wasn't wasn't in the industry. He was actually working at a college, uh, overseeing kind of the, the distance learning uh, series and, and distance learning uh, opportunities there. So. I mean, it's not necessarily going to be somebody who's in the industry right now who takes his place. I mean, maybe it will be, but maybe it won't be. And obviously, you know, he wasn't an industry insider and did a spectacular job in his time at uh, as the CEO. So, yeah. Kevin, we'll take a, a, a manufacturer's point of view on this. Is this does does the head of Infocom need to be somebody outside of the industry, or or would it be make sense to be, you know, I don't know somebody from a manufacturing or from an integrator standpoint? Well, I, that's a good question. I think uh, the more important thing is that that person, um, like Randy, had a lot of exposure to the industry before he got there. Um, you know, taking taking some traits from other industries or from, uh, from other business perspectives wouldn't hurt. Um, but, you know, let's be honest, you know, we're a unique group. Well, <laughs> and, that's for sure. <laughs> Understand. And uh, having yeah, having an insight to that is definitely a plus, yeah. or at least an understanding of that. Let's say yeah. No, I I think it would be. And here here's my two cents, I guess, on it is, is the fact that you know, 
Randy is has always been very nice. I've met him a couple of times on the show floor and, and through different um, different groups that I volunteer in in Infocom, and he has been. He's always been very nice. And and my when I saw this originally, I'm like, well, shoot, man. I mean, how how I my initial thought was, how are we going to know who the head of Infocom is now? Because you can't just look and and see him towering over everybody. So. <laughs> Right, but good luck to him. I mean, seriously, it is good for him. And uh, he says in, in Craig's piece that uh, he wanted to retire by the time he was sixty-five, and he'll be sixty-three this year. So, good on him. Good on him. So, it's time for the AV Week Job of the Week, brought to you by Rave Publications. Ravepubs.com. Go there. Go to the resources section after uh, after you go there. Underneath that is uh, or where the all the AV jobs are. This one is brand new, posted yesterday. It's for Massachusetts. It's for KVL Audiovisual Services, KVLAV.com. They're looking for an audiovisual manager. Um, basically, they're looking for someone who oversees uh, the in-house audio uh, AV operations and AV personnel. Uh, just go to their website, AV kvlav.com for more information and to apply. So that's the AV Week job of the week. All right, you're listening to AV Week with Rich Fergoza, uh, Don Mead, Craig McCormick, and Kevin Iselli. Uh, actually, we'll go back to Craig's commercial integrator. He wrote another piece about the benefits of selling content storage. And he writes in there, in addition to higher education and legal markets, Stampede Visual Communications Group in San Francisco has seen a steady rise in content storage use in the healthcare industry. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you on this. Uh, Why should integrators get into selling, I don't want to be simplistic here, but basically selling hard drives and the services surrounding that? Yeah, I I mean, the way it was was explained to me and it's laid out in the piece is it's good – Basically, for you know, in in the healthcare care industry, especially uh, you know, for med students, you know, maybe if somebody misses a class for for whatever reason, or you know, needs needs training on a particular procedure, that that sort of thing, um, that you know, it's it it's it's definitely an an idea for uh, for for those who uh, you know want to kind of spread the word about something something good that they're uh, that they're working on, or you know, a lesson that that. Uh, that they want to want to share with with somebody and and maybe you know someone can't be there at a particular time you know but uh they they want to they want to learn a little bit more so that's that's what it's about and, and i get that aspect and i definitely get the benefit there and, and don is this something where we need to start you know training our guys is this another knowledge base that we need to have is how these things work and how they interact you know, it honestly can't hurt. There are so many places and people now that sell – oh, sorry, my dog just came in upset. <laughs> but th- there are so many companies now that sell things like the media site, Sonic Foundry, that you know that record we- – we're-, we're making a market for recording and archiving company meetings, church services, uh, classes, You know, depending on who your vertical market is, corporate or, ed- or education or house of worship. There are so many opportunities for – we already sell the equipment. We're already foot in the door in selling this technology. Now, if we can provide the storage space, you know, it's all about bandwidth. It's all about storage these days. Everything's moving to the cloud. People want their content on demand. We, we've gotten used to that as a society. And if you've got people on staff that know the hard drives and the content storage as well as the content creation and management, it, it's, it's, it's just more profit. You know, it, it makes imminent sense to me to get into that. 
uh, particularly if you're a company that's already doing things like Sonic Foundry and uh, you know other companies like that that record and archive and even do some light editing of your streaming conferences, your VTC, you, you know, again, your classes and meetings. I mean, it, it's where everything's going. J- just yesterday, I, I went to the Infocom Roundtable event, but I had already registered for a webinar, you know, for continuing education through another organization. Um, you know, they record those webinars as they happen live, including the questions. Now, since I was registered in advance, even though I missed the live presentation, I can just go to the link and, and you know, watch my webinar, get my learn on and still not miss the Infocom event. So it's it's where it's where society's going. And, and if they're smart, you would have people on staff that know it and can do it. Okay, yeah. not not to make this a, a question commercial, but Kevin, I'll bring you in on this because you guys have something. Um, it, we talked about it last week. We uh, we have a, we started a new, a new podcast because you know I, I have too much time on my hands. <laughs> we we started an education <laughs> pro- podcast because that's one of my passions, and we started with a couple guys that are on the technology managers council with me. And this is something they brought up: was Crestron has a new uh, a new hardware solution that records everything right there, makes it available offline. Is this something that not just Crestron should do, but other manufacturers should, should get into to kind of give us AV guys a, a a foot up? Because you know what, we know Crestron, we we know uh, whoever else make might make something like this. Well, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, when we created the Capture HD, our focus when, uh, when putting that box together was for the classroom environment. Because, um, uh, I mean, we, we actually have a media site as well. And it, it and if you could look at things like media site and, uh, oh, gosh, some of the other, like, power streams and some of the other guys that are doing it, um, great pioneers. I mean, they, they created a really cool... Uh, means of capturing content and being able to review content and and even just like Craig was saying, you know maybe you can't attend at that specific moment, but having that content available offline is is fantastic. Well, you know, you know, with respect to our competitors and respect to other people that have done it, it's just been kind of cost prohibitive. So we started there. Uh, we actually started with uh, getting in contact with a lot of the university partners that we have and saying, you know, before we even put a circuit board together, we need to know what you need this thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so we built it a little bit backwards, you know, where we, we found out from the masses what is it that they actually need to accomplish. And then we built it, and then we built it, more importantly, within their price range um, to the point of we actually have – uh, recently just deployed every Crestron office in the U.S. has a minimum of one Capture HD station that's all tied back into our management system room view uh, where we can actually, uh, all of that information is housed in our corporate office. So literally, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we flipped the switch and everybody's live. Oh, wow. So, nice. all, so all of your training sessions are being recorded or? Um, I have not integrated in my training room right now. It is in my conference room, but there because we're going through a uh, just an overhaul of my training room here. But yes, every training room in the Crestron community, if you will, across the U.S., uh, is getting revised, revamped with all digital media products, and it include a uh, Capture HD. Okay, Mr. Fergosa, you deal not only with education but also with a lot of conference rooms. So I'm the I, I am the chief executive officer, big head honcho of. Apple, just because I'm making this up off the top of my head, and I'd like to be that. So, um, and I'm Tim Cook, and I miss you know I, I'm not Steve Jobs, so I, I miss a couple of days of work. Is this something I put into my conference room to make sure I don't miss meetings, or is this strictly 
uh, you know, education and, and health care and stuff? No, I think that absolutely for, uh, I mean, even simple things like uh, new employee training. I mean, do you, I don't know if you remember, but when I first started out in my career in electronics, I mean, this is my 21st year in the business. And thank you. Thank you. Um, I remember being sat down in the back office with a 19-inch television and the top-loading VCR tape mm -hmm. and having my training video. <laughs> quasar. With, it was a quasar. With a quasar. <laughs> or Xena. <laughs> very possibly, you know. Uh, Sony. Oh, the Sylvania. Sony. The Sylvania. <laughs> and uh, so I, I see that in terms of training, in terms of, you know, replicatable uh, content that you either want to push out. Uh, you know, I mean, even more so, I, I keep thinking about, you know, telecommuting. I, I am I am the, the prototypical telecommuter. Uh, I... You know, go into my showroom maybe once a week. Um, the guys take care of things. I work almost exclusively from home whenever I can. And so I would see the options opening up in when you've got remote offices, telecommuting, um, you know, multiple training sites for, for corporate uses. Absolutely. I, you know, again, it's, it's sell-through at this point. And this is the thing that always kind of concerns me is that all of these are fantastic ideas. You know, we're constantly pushing forward these fantastic ideas on why people should be doing it. Where I do have issues at times is looking at how do you quantify this? I, I mean, everybody loves to sell it, but my question would be, okay, if I push through this system, again, it's much like the, 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 the analog sunset right now. How much are you saving? What are the cost benefits you have from it? It's very easy to be able to say, yeah, you need to do this. Well, there's still lots of companies and, and, and classrooms who are perfectly fine with VGA, perfectly fine with composite video. Um, these are the same analogies that we know that we need to push them up into the digital, up into digital media. Same thing happens with, with, with these, these uh, cloud options is, is that, you know, how do we find ways to quantify it so that it becomes a compelling argument other than you really should be doing this. Yeah, that, uh, that was actually one of the things mentioned in, in the article was that it's, been a little bit of a, a tough sell, and, and a lot of that has to do with the price. Uh, one, one of the estimates I saw was, you know, twenty twenty five thousand dollars for, you know, to, to have this this uh, content storage available. So that that's you know been a bit of an obstacle for you know integrators that are offering this this service. So, I mean, either the price has to come down, or, or the argument has to become you know that that much more compelling for for people to you know become more interested in it. So, hey Tim, oh, oh, oh. hey Tim, watch this. Watch this. I, I, <laughs> Hey, Greg, have I got a solution for you right now to capture HD Pro System for a list price of $5,800, right? So, wow. yeah. I, I'm sending Randy right Klein a bill, by the way. Right. <laughs> well, that goes right into what Craig was saying for the longest time. You know, the, you know, the, the media sites and these folks, again, not picking on media, uh, Sonic Foundry or, or uh, anyone in particular, to do this type of deployment. Uh, was very costly. I mean, I remember some of the first systems in the 40s and up, of th you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Now, when you know we're, we we have a product on the market, the Capture HD Pro, which can do HD video, right? We got 3G SDI inputs for cameras uh, at a at, you know at an MSRP of $5,800. Yeah, that's that's uh, that becomes a little bit more viable solution to go into a classroom or a boardroom. But well, I, I, to one point, and again. Let, let it be said that Crestron's been very good to me for the past 20 years. Yeah, um, we love you too. <laughs> very, very good. Um, you guys want a room? 
um, you know, I, I'm one of the few guys who puts DVPHDs in residential applications. I love that thing. Okay, it's a seventeen thousand dollar processor. It's kick ass. It's basically kind of the the basis of what you're talking about. Fifty eight hundred is for the hardware. Now, I know what my programming rates are, <laughs> and to be able to you know get in the box in there is one thing, but then being able to deploy it get it integrated in the rest of the system, even if you're doing, even if you can get your economy of scale down, the 5800 is only part of that equation. So even by the time you factor hey, in Tim. programming rates and everything else that goes with it. Tim, watch this. <laughs> hey, Rich, have I got a solution for you. Uh, the HD capture works right out of the box. The, the you know, play, pause, record is right on the front panel, as well as we actually have a um, TPMC 4SM that's pre-configured, if you will. So you put this thing on the, both of these devices on your network, and they automatically will schedule, give you full control, as well as the 4SMs configured to give you an online screenshot. So well, you can in my quest see. for journalistic integrity, I am sure that Postron <laughs> can send me the review sample of <laughs> the record station. I'm sending Randy two bills, and I'm sending Rich one. Okay, we love you that much. And, and um, not to go ahead. <laughs> This, I mean, is I mean, happens, this is what happens when you let Rich have too many puffs on the inhaler at this point. So it's uh, and he's yeah. not sharing. Be weak, puff, puff, give. Uh, but I, I will say this, and it, I, I, the one of the gentlemen that, that are on the it's on the education show with me uh, works for George Mason University, and about ten years ago they started down this road where they did exactly what Craig was talking about, and he's right. They, they were talking twenty thirty. One solution they they had piloted was a hundred thousand dollars, and so it is expensive. And yes, and you know, n- n- all kidding aside, you know, Crestron doesn't pay for anything. Kevin's a buddy of mine, and he. He's wonderfully entertaining and pretty smart too, um, but but they do have a solution and and not, not to undercut Mr. Iselli, but they have one that's thirty eight hundred bucks too. You know, it's not the pro; it just does the regular capture HD. So, for less than but, four grand list, you can get into it. So, right, and 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 to be you know the article that we that kicked off this whole discussion talks a lot about house of worship, and we've talked a lot about education. But when I was in integration full time. We had a lot of corporate clients that wanted something like this to record their meetings, to record an archive, even if they weren't coming back to them or sharing with people that weren't there, to just have a record of these things. And in a lot of cases, because all of the capture solutions were so expensive, we ended up putting in, you know, we sold them a camcorder and some really high-end audio recording equipment. I mean, if something like this Crestron system or the inevitable slew of similar low-priced solutions that may come after take, you know, take off – you won't have to sell this to the corporate market. The corporate market will come to your door and say, give me this, give me this now. We've been waiting for it for five to ten years. Well, let me give you another yeah. one, and that, that is the legal industry. There, is, there, is, um, there are depositions, and, and I have a friend of mine who this is what he does for a living. He goes around and records depositions. This yeah. guy gets paid 150 bucks to 200 bucks an hour to sit there with a camcorder and a mixer and a wireless mic. There's no editing because legally you can't. Right. So all you do is he hits record. I swear to you, this is what the guy does. He hits record, he makes sure they're in focus, and he sits there and, and reads a book and makes sure there's audio. At the end right. of the day, he charges the lawyer that he goes there with 150 200 bucks an hour for a couple hours worth of work. And then he charges the other lawyer like a buck or no, I'm sorry, 10 bucks per minute for the deposition. Can you send me his contact information, please? <laughs> I mean, Seriously. 
It, it is a lucrative market. Oh, the, my the, gosh, yeah. The, the integrator that I worked for actually had a separate video production division, and video depositions was one of the things they did, and they made quite a bit of money at it. Something like this, you know, when you're putting in a new courtroom or a new legal office, you know, in your office, you include one of these systems, and right there you have your automatic video deposition. You don't have to, you know, sorry all you video pro- producers out there but you know this could put a serious hamper in your in your bottom line if well, you more pay, companies take this you pay for it with one case I, right. I, I, lawyers are you know are notorious for or putting things in the bill that we don't really know what it is your very first <laughs> case after you get this sucker put in you slap this in and the rest of them are, are you know are just you know gravy on top of what you made so exactly not that i'm in the habit of giving lawyers ideas on how to make money so <laughs> Right. Yeah, they really don't need your help. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. All right. Uh, you listen to AV Week with Rich Fergoza, Don Mead, Craig McCormick, and uh, our token Crestron sales representative, Kevin Iselli. Uh This is from Inside CI. It's a British publication, but they're, they're talking about a, this new wireless uh, uh, audio solution. It's called Proficient. Um, it, it's basically, uh, it's, it's, they call it a zero launches the zero wireless audio system basically it's a transmitter and it's a receiver uh the transmitter is about 600 bucks the receiver is about 400 bucks but it's wireless and it's wireless audio uh last week we talked about the the io uh, the io gears wireless uh hd uh, solution but this is just just an audio thing don we've talked about before the fact that the renovation market is bigger right now than new home sales so is this something that you should run out, not you, but, but somebody who's doing renovation work should run out and get? Or is the price point a bit too high at basically 1000 bucks to even step in with one receiver and one transmitter? You know, I think it depends on how much audio you're getting called for. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing renos. They, they want the whole house audio. A lot more just simply want that awesome man cave or awesome family room with the fantastic home theater. You know, if, if, if you're serious about your audio and you're serious about having it in every room, but you have to deal with, you know, marble floors and ceilings or, or you know, stupidly studded houses that have fire breaks and all kinds of random surprises when you open up those walls. Uh, yeah, something like that, this. That, that inconvenient fire safety. God, <laughs> we, should, we should just get out of the way of that, you know? Well, I, I, you know, bolster wood construction. What is happening these days? You kids these days. Next thing you're going to want, like, those pesky smoke alarms. I, I am in favor of fire safety. Let me say that. Rich, I mean, you're when cut you, off. <laughs> you know, when you buy an older house that used to be a duplex or used to be an apartment building and they, and they put in – my own house, it isn't even a fire safety thing. But when we tried to put our plasma on the wall, you know, 10 years ago when we bought this house – there are just random bricked up and, and boarded up areas between studs for no reason that, you know, even even friends that are architects came in and said, what in God's name were they thinking when they put that in? You know, so those strange situations that may or may not be for safety <laughs> that arise, a solution like this to get around that and still provide that audio you're looking for. I think it's fantastic. A thousand bucks when you're looking at, at a whole new house reno as opposed to buying or building fresh is is rather inexpensive. You can still get the same, assuming this is the same quality. You can still get quality audio without going through all that extra expense or headache. 
Yeah, and you wouldn't know it until you actually got the box. I mean, the, the specs on it are, are, are relatively, you know, they, they sound pretty cool. They've got two 35 um, digital amplifiers. They've got stereo outputs, a, a 3.5 millimeter out, line out, mono out, optical out. So it sounds cool. Well, well and the, the, thing, the thing to consider, though, is that the, the specs are conspicuously light. I mean, residential is obviously my wheelhouse. And one of the things is that, you know, wireless audio has been around for a while. And, you know, they're specking this thing at the, at the 2.4 range. And one of the things that they, they made sure to leave out was what type of construction. So it's, it's a 70-foot 70, 70 range for the wireless audio. Mm-hmm. But that's as the crow flies. You know, what are we dealing with in terms of construction? I mean, y- you, you can go from 70 feet to 7 feet really, really quickly, depending on the construction like Don was talking about. And there are companies that have been trying to do it for a couple of years. I mean, Velodyne just introduced their brand new wireless subwoofer. You know, again, partnering with sound bar companies that more and more as people are trying to find ways to eliminate some of the wire clutter, people are moving to wireless as an option. I mean, we even got, you know, these wireless video options available. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a good push. Um, but the concerns that we have all, always are, uh, you know, interference, distance, construction, latency, uh, and then the sound quality as well. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, the difference between the wireless audio and using an AirPlay device, it's almost kind of the same thing when you think about it. Yeah, and I was going to say, Rich, you got a, you had a really good point. You know, you can see go from 70 feet to 7 feet very quickly. Um, I can tell you with my experience of seeing some installations, we've seen the 150 feet go to 7 millimeters because that box is so small, you could mount it right behind your TV. Yep, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, which, you know, right behind your TV, it's a plasma with a big shield and it emits radiation and kills the signal. Um, and I, I don't understand why my access point isn't working. So, yeah, you're right. It's a little light, uh, even by, you know, my commercial standards. It's a little bit light on, on data. Not to say that it's not an effective product, because at the 2.4 gig range of your RF, it still doesn't tell you what type of data rate you have. Exactly. You know, because if it's 10 meg, that's fine, right? Because audio is in the K range, not in the meg range. So, well, you know, it, quality could be there. It's just, yeah, there's a lot of ghosts. Well, you know, here. ironically enough, um, Ruckus Wireless, that company was built based on this specific problem. I, I think I had mentioned before that I did some of the initial consulting with them. It was designed initially, their Beamcast Wi Fi transmitter was designed originally to try to combat wireless audio problems and the latency and how do you deal with trying to get around um, obstructions. And finally, they said, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and use this for networking. We'll deal with the, We'll let somebody else figure out the audio because um, it is that big of a problem. And, you know, video tends to be a little bit easier um, because, you know, you can deal with it. But with audio, you run into some really weird tonality problems once you start to run into interference because it's audible. Go figure at that point and and people are a, a lot less willing to deal with audible problems and visual problems which i've never quite understood but you know anecdotally that's what i have mostly encountered with my clients yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's it i think it's probably some of it is just you know the headaches that inherently come with that so all right um kevin you need to retire or or find a new job you know why um no because Geffen <laughs> has entered the home automation space. So game over. Well, that's a good control. point because I already have my exit strategy. What is that? Um, um, I'm going to either go into alpaca farming. There we go. 
or a couple of the uh, technical directors and I have a whole um, ski, a whole uh, project put together where we're going to go live under a bridge and sell um, space by fire barrels, you know, the drum mm-hmm. barrels mm-hmm. that you can sell no, fire. He's, 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 he's the leader of the Occupy Crestron movement. Yes. yes. <laughs> actually, I'm the one who's actually collecting the wood. Um, Very one good. of my technical directors is going to actually offer technical support on the wood. And that would be John Lamberson, who would be the that's only correct, person actually, that's very nice. Yes, and the uh, the other technical director is going to uh, actually provide um, services or sell the spaces for fire. Jeez. So right. yeah, we're all set. Well, and, and, and <laughs> I don't mean to be flippant, but but Geffen has, and, and I like Geffen's video product. But I, my initial reaction when I saw this, and and this is this came out of CBS. The it, according to the CE Pro's article here, it says the famous maker of AV switchers. Extenders and adapters demonstrated for the first time its new GAVA system. Uh, both models offer 232, IP, IR commands, relays, and stuff like that. My, my first initial reaction was, do we really need another control company? Do we really need another control system? And, and you know, Rich, we'll start with you on this. How many different flavors of this are we going to get before you know, end users start getting frustrated? Well, you know, Geffen's in a very unique situation. You've got to remember that Geffen started out as a control company, and I don't know if a lot of people actually remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hagai, who I've known for about 20 years, developed the first CD management system. It was called Touch the Music, and it ran on a Macintosh, and it controlled the, you know, $10,000 CD changer. And I was one of the first people, uh, one of the first West Coast dealers to, to put these things in. So his background was in control. What then happened is as, you know, things developed further on, they got more and more into kind of the widget business, you know, extenders and converters and everything else. And so this is kind of coming back to their roots uh, hmm. of all things in, in terms of putting out a control product. And, and personally, you know, I, I think it's actually just a natural evolution for Geffen. For the past few years, especially the last five, they've been focusing on creating kind of source devices and and, and, you know, point-to-point devices that putting in, you know, that final link in the chain, which is the, well, here we've got our own processor that performs some of the basic functions. And, again, they're not touting it as a Crestron killer or an AMX killer or anything like that. At least I didn't take it that way. Mm, no, um, um, as a plug-and-play, you know, uh, somebody who can get this from distribution can, you know, put in a system that provide some canned uses you know it's it's a fixed interface and i and i saw it at play and um you know uh, yeah i mean he brought in orange charm who is an, a long time uh you know av and cd industry guy who knows custom av he was you know he's he's definitely one of the the fellows who understand the control side of things as it dealt with residential and uh you know really what i found is that in the same way that you've got you know, Global Cash or Bitwise or any of those guys, that's really what you're looking at, is that more of a, a finely tuned piece where you have a couple of IP control devices, some form of iTunes connectivity, and, you know, you can kind of put it together with a web page interface. Um, I think that everybody's kind of fractionalizing in that way uh, because microprocessors are becoming so inexpensive and because... Programming languages are becoming more and more open. I mean, I think what we're seeing is not that there's another company coming into play. I think what we're seeing is that 
the AV industry, which I felt has always been about 20 years behind the, the, the PC industry, we're starting to make that, that, we're starting to really see that evolution from hardware to software. Yeah. You know, we have hardware devices that are, are basically just portals. And what people are doing now is that they're focusing on their software development skills, which I think is what this new generation of integrator needs to focus on being more, is being more of a software developer than a hardware salesman. Because, and we've already seen it because of the margins that are occurring. I've been rallying about this for I don't know how long. I'm on the show a couple of times, I know I've been, I've been talking okay, about that. So, so. If, if that's the case, then the analogy is, you know, we have Mac and we have PC and we have Linux and we have a Toshiba version of an OS over here. That I guess that's where my my question is 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 it going to come to a point where the end user gets frustrated because there are so many different flavors of control. There are so many different flavors of of software. I mean, you have Control Four, you have Savant, you have Clear Controls, you have Crestron, you have Extron, you have AMX, you have Aurora, and these are just things off the top of my head. You know, I'm sure that there are others out there that that I'm forgetting. I mean, is are we going to get to a point where you know in this this control war or or where where you know it all just kind of collapses down and, and the end users are just you know put their throw their hands up or on the other side are we all going to come to an agreement on a control standard? Um, I, I, I think more than Whoa. anything. <laughs> oh, holy cow! Oh, what is this? What is this voodoo you're talking about? A control standard. I'm a more make love, not war guy. Something for you, Tim. (laughs) Uh, As a guy that works for Crestron, the oldest and most you know prolific, prolific, proficient control system company on earth, let's say. um, (laughs) There, you know, you know my line. The best thing about a standard is there's there's so so many many to choose from, right? There, there has never, there's been always, of course, attempts at making. a guide towards a standard of control. Um, but here, here's the thing, you know, looking at, at Geffen's product and everything, there's always been a very hopeful plug-and-play attitude towards control. But the one thing that everyone has always forgotten about is that uh, you are not controlling your own devices. No, you're not. You're controlling other you're, people's devices. You're, so you're asking for third parties like Sony, Panasonic, you, you name it. Anybody who makes a in and an out, you're now asking them to comply with a standard. Good luck with that. And that's that. kind of what CEC did, though. No, it didn't. It, that's, what they aimed, okay, hang on, that's what they aimed to do. Well, but CEC Would you agree is with an that? optional protocol. And, yes. Okay, and and though you know 1.4 is hopefully going to tighten down some of the parameters of that, it still isn't optional, right? It, and if you don't know real quickly what CEC is, CEC is as a control basically built into HDMI. Um, that you're um, also talking. Let me just well, you're, since you're addressing that, Tim, yeah. um, let me just make things very clear. CEC is for control. Okay, let me explain. It is the ability to turn on, turn off, you know, channel up, channel down, volume control. Mm-hmm. It is not the level of control that professionals that use products like Crestron and others no, 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 that no, are no. used to where I can talk to that projector and ask it, hey, how many hours do you have on you, mm-hmm. right? It's not that level, and CEC is not going to get there either. You don't think? Um, not in this rev, mm-hmm. definitely not. Because you're talking about a bus that's got so many other things going on it. There's it's it's 32, 32 bits, man. It's not it's not K. It's not megabits. It's little. 
Yeah, but I you have no parsing ability. You got nothing. Yeah, I just there there is because there is that two way communication though. There is that. Yeah. Well, it, turn on. Yeah, I'm on. Okay, that took four. <laughs> you know, that four. All took right. four you know, it's not a lot of data that's being exchanged. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not hopeful for it. I would like to see something that would even make our lives easier, right? I mean, the, the best thing about Crestron is the, or, you know, let's say control system companies is the ability to customize and create control out of something that as long as it can talk to you, you can do whatever you want, baby. That's how we roll. Crestron's the Ivan, uh, the Ivan Draco of the, uh, uh, <laughs> of the, of the control. Oh, wow. I must break you. <laughs> well, no, it's not even that Holy I must break cow. you. It, it's not. It's not, and it's not our opinion that we must break you. It's our opinion that is, we provide you with a means of communication. You do whatever you want with that communication. Although, can, can I be completely cynical for a moment here? Sure, that's why we're here. <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying. You know that that the the little tiny bits of control that currently exists, you know, with with CEC, um, you know, that can't necessarily do everything you want to do but the technology exists for something like that to evolve oh, there just absolutely. is there isn't a monetary incentive to it because if you look at what hdcp and oh, you know ict I, I and all that i mean every i i just was talking to someone every two seconds your your blu-ray player and your and your display are talking bi-directionally saying are you there? Are you still legal? Is this, you know, it, it, the HDCP is just ridiculous, the amount of bi-directional communication mm-hmm. that they can do in such a small amount of time and not just, are you there? Okay. Are you there? Okay. Do you have a key? Okay. I mean, they, they, they can do a lot in every two seconds. Surely, surely if there were an incentive to, they could come up with a way to standardize controls so that companies – but, you know, we don't have the Motion Pictures Association and the Recording Artists Association and all these big pocket organizations throwing money at the problem of fractional control market. Oh, absolutely. No, because they're, they're, they're more and, and, worried and fact, about you pirating, you know, Right, and, and, and the control market, the ones in the control market that have money, the big guys, AMX and Crestron – they don't have a monetary incentive to get along to make a standard control because if you get a standardized control system, well, I could put in this AMX piece with that Crestron panel and, and that you know Extron thing, and, and it would all have the same platform, so it would all communicate. Well, so, that's you know, not th- exactly um, accurate. I mean, l- l- let me explain. Um, <laughs> there is not a standard for control protocol for individual manufacturers. Like, so if I'm talking to NEC, uh, we use, you know, little reverse little Indian, you know, it's like it, you, there is definitely a language barrier between the two things, but can I communicate and control AMX and Extron? Absolutely. All day long. And I've done it. It's not that there isn't a standard. There is, let's say guidelines and, uh, well, I don't even want to use the term guidelines. There's things that we all do that follow a specific protocol. Yeah, I mean, you you but guys all give ins and outs. You, you, yeah, you like, all have example, a way in and out of the thing. Yeah, and the, but the the difference is that what happens it's what each manufacturer chooses to do once you get in. Yeah. How is your right. structure right? Uh, which is why the whole like I said we're talking about Geffen here. 
it's i'm not saying that it's not a you know a valiant valent effort but there is so many third party devices that have to be taken into account when you say hey just plug it in and it works there's no programming well yeah we've had that for years it's called system builder but the point being is you're now relying on the back end of the company to have developed all of those communications for you up front which are whatever's our database some 84,000 drivers in it. I mean, it's it's uh, pretty pretty staggering. Yeah, and, and you guys aren't the only ones that do that. I mean, the, all the, all anybody that says plug and play has to have done that or has to have some sort of mechanism to do that. So. Yeah, we actually call it plug and pray in some cases, but yeah, <laughs> depends on the manufacturer. It's much like so, automagically. Exactly. Yes, I love automagically. Uh, a lot of truth there. <laughs> you're, you're listening to AV Week. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Albright. That's uh, Rich Fergoza, Kevin A. Sully from Crestron, Don Mead, and Craig McCormick from Commercial Integrator. Uh, this is a press release, and, and if you've listened to any number of shows, you know how I feel about press releases. They're you know just shy of the devil. But uh, I, I mention this because it is AMX, and um, it, it's there for the, their entry into digital. And and this is actually how Kevin uh, Kevin and I started talking about this today, and I asked him if he was available, and he said, "Yeah, sure, cool." Uh, this is their DM. This is their digital media. Uh, theirs is it called DM? This is this is the Innova DGX sixteen and thirty two. So it's a sixteen by sixteen or a thirty two by thirty two. Uh, it's modular, uh, very similar to to the DM. So basically, you buy a chassis and you you slap in the cards, but they also have uh, have control, which for me. As as an, a house of worship guy and an education guy, that's that's huge. I mean, that's that's why I like uh, Crestron's DMPS. Uh, that is their all-in-one box. It's an amplifier. It's a processor. It's it's digital media and then stuff like that. <laughs> and so I start talking to Kevin. He's like, "Hey, wait a minute. It's not exactly the same." So uh, we'll start with you, Mister Iselli. Um, to me, this is a good product for AMX to come against Crestron with. Uh, it, it would appear to me that it is slightly inexpensive, plus it has a processor. I mean, you do 16 by 16, you, you compare the two 16s, uh, less price, your 16 is 9800 their 16 is 9500 I mean, it's 300 bucks, but still, it's slightly cheaper. Okay. Did you drop off? Did you? Did no. I make you mad? <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm, I'm waiting to hear the point. Sorry. No. <laughs> oh, come that on. Was, <laughs> the point. Yeah, okay, well, here's, so here's no, no. Here's the point. You got. I will give you guys props all day long. You were the first ones to give to give the the end user and, and just the industry in general a digital solution that handled HDCP and handled it correctly and didn't break the code and didn't do a lot of illegal things, which a lot of people were doing. Yes, absolutely. You guys were doing that. But for people who either a can't get a dealership, don't have a dealership, or are already embedded with with AMX. This is this is a nice solution for them. Well, yeah, uh, I understand where you're coming from, Tim, and I'm not saying that it doesn't offer a solution um, when it ships, right? Um, but you're right. We Crestron was the first uh, in the industry to offer a digital solution. Um, you know, we, we can talk about pennies and, and, and dollars and difference, um, but it's more of when you look at uh, with the evolution of digital video and digital media, even from our side, we're on you know generation number three here, um, where the the product keeps evolving and changing. Um, you talked about the DMPS, okay? Well, the DMPS 
if I was going into a market looking at a product like the DMPS, I wouldn't be looking at a DM sixteen by sixteen or the Innova DGE switcher, anyways, yeah, right? Because you're talking about matrix sizes are completely different. Now that being said, can I take a sixteen by sixteen or a thirty two by thirty two uh, Crestron DM switcher and front end it with an MPC, you know, six hundred dollar controller? Yep. No, that's true. But, yeah. Because we always leave the control options up to you. Because where you put the 16 by 16, you got to remember how many devices are you controlling and how are you controlling them? And if you only have eight IR inputs or eight IR buds on this thing, but you got 16 inputs, you're buying more hardware. Well, right? let's so, ju- let's can we take one step back though? Is sure. that the Innova, although it's AMX's brand, this is from AMX's acquisition of AutoPatch. Yeah. And they're no and and again, all due deference to Crestron engineers, the AutoPatch video engineers are no slouches. You know, they were doing switching before Crestron was doing switching. So I, I mean, I do need to point that out as well. Is that all? They are they a little bit slower with the DM line than you know, it, it, comparative DM line to Crestron? I wouldn't bet against them either. Uh, you know, again, I was doing 128 by. You know, 64 switchers, you know, 15 years ago in residential applications, you know, um, they, they definitely are bringing, uh, you know, the engineering firepower as well that I think they've just been trying to figure out their own option. And, and again, I think the competition, if it forces all of the other manufacturers to, to step up, I, could, I think personally that's only a good thing. At this point, oh, in terms I would of I would agree, Rich. I mean, it, I love competition. It basically keeps us honest and it keeps our engineers developing the next thing or developing the next two product. I mean, but it's kind of when you look at the two products side by side, it's not really a fair comparison. I mean, it it takes a, an approach of with a DM system, I have the ability to eject right on the chassis analog video, analog audio. Uh, I can't do that with the with the Innova. I have to actually make sure that I have their DGX input, copper input card, and then I have to add a transmitter. Um, I can't. I have no DSP capabilities in their box whatsoever, which means to do multi-channel and two-channel, they're expecting you to buy a great amount of additional external hardware, right, to be able to downmix for you. We have that built in. Uh, the fact that a fiber solution, when you need long runs, in our system is no different than copper. It just goes over glass and is longer and supports content protection is huge. The fiber solution for the Innova Switch doesn't support content protection. Their DVI is digital only. Uh, you know, like So right in the frame of the chassis, you don't have the flexibility of someone who's putting in a system that might have legacy video, legacy audio systems, uh, audio distribution, it's not made that way. Now, again, not picking on the auto patch guys, because I have a lot of friends over there too. Um, the engineering side of things, guess what, guys? We're all using the same chip, right? The only difference here is we've been using that chip for four years. Okay, so so let me ask this, and, and Don will ask you this. Is, is this not, I don't know, I, I'm a big fan of, of competition. I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big, I'm a fan of capitalism. Is this not a good thing that you know we have a solution? Granted, there are they're not apples to apples. You can't you know they don't have exactly the same feature sets, but it's still a digital solution. A- absolutely, I mean it, it's something that the market is starting to demand it, particularly with the analog sunset. I mean you have to have a digital solution these days. If you don't, you might as well close your doors. 
a lot of companies out there, a lot of smaller integrators, they might be married to AMX. Sorry, Kevin. You know, or or in the case of like my former integrator, we were, you know, we were we we swung both ways. We worked AMX and Crestron, but we had some clients, corporate campuses and university campuses that were strictly AMX and would not entertain Crestron equipment and vice versa. We had other clients that were just the opposite. So you have to have that flexibility to do the same thing. Um, you I'm know, channeling through your dog, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. I'm still getting, I'm trying to get over the fact that she said that they swung both ways. So yes. hey, yeah, well, the, do- the, do- the dog was, was barking for the extra camp. He's yes. like, don't forget extra. Don't Get forget extra. <laughs> yeah, by, by no means, please don't misunderstand. I, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the competition is, is not, you know, without its rights. And it's, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody who listens to this program should never buy uh, AMX. I mean, that would be a perfect world, but it, we live in the reality that, you know, there, there is other products there and other people will use them. Um, I, I welcome competition. I really do because, you know, it, it would be foolish of me not to support my company, but it would also, oh, yeah. what I know and what I remember, cause I wasn't always working for Crestron, right? I was on the outside too. Um, I just see a difference, right? And I, and I see a little more attention to detail. Um, you know, I, I get the same thing. And even Rich was saying, well, don't forget about Extron. Well, you know, I, I hear that one constantly and, and that's okay. I mean, there, again, there's other products out there. Um, I, I always lived off the, the premise, Hey man, you don't have to pay me the first time to do the job. You can always pay me twice as much to fix it later. Right. But again, it's competition and that's fine. Right. I, I was just pointing out a couple of the things that, that like I was saying to Tim earlier, Oftentimes, as a consumer or even just, you know, skimming the headlines, we forget or don't bother to dig a little deeper uh, because what happens is when you don't dig a little deeper, you end up thinking that it's a equal, you know, apples to apples solution. And when you get out in the field and things aren't going the way you want them to, and that starts racking up support bills and, and more time on the job and then, you know, change orders – now, all of a sudden, it wasn't as simple as, hey, it was a competitor and it was supposed to be the same. That's yeah. kind of was the point I was trying to make. No, and I, just, I, I didn't I, – go ahead, Don. I was going to say that's just the case of your design engineers not doing their due diligence because it's the marketing people. We say, oh, yeah, we've got a digital solution. That's fantastic. It's the same thing. But at the end of the day, your design engineer as an integrator has to actually dig down and look at those spec sheets and say, well, wait a minute. It's close to the same, but it's not exactly the same, and I'm sorry that's not going to work here. Or this will work here with this legacy AMX-only system, but we have to add some other stuff, so we got to build yeah. in that price accordingly. I mean, any integrator that just goes up based off of press releases doesn't deserve to be in business, and they won't be for <laughs> and they, long. You're right. <laughs> Can I quote you on that, please? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. That, that is Don Mead. Um, you're listening to AV Week. Uh, you know what, guys? That I think that we, that's, a, that's a good thing, to, a good one to end on. Um, uh, unless anybody has anything else or, or anything that, that's broken while we've been recording this. Um, uh, the only thing that I want to say is rest in peace, Etta James. Yes. Yes. Who, who did, uh, who did uh, pass away today. So she, uh, at last, was, uh, was one of my wedding songs. So I just wanted Yours to as say. well. My, my, ours as well. Ours was too, at last. And, so. and, and, and she also sang the theme song for most women in AV, It's a Man's Man's World. <laughs> Very nice. Well, on on that note, we'll say goodbye to to Av Dawn. She you can find her at avdawn.com. 
Um, you know what? Let's, let's mention this real quick because uh, we, we do have a new home. Um, uh, AV Nation has a new home. We, we're, we're distributed through Brave Publications now. And they have a new home because uh, here recently in the last couple of days, they, they revamped their website and relaunched it. It's at ravepubs.com, R-A-V-E-P-U-B-S.com. It uh, used to be they had kind of the blogging, and they had us stuck in, over in the place they called Rave Now. Then they had their, their breaking news and stuff like that in what they called Rave Publications. They've actually split that into three places now. They have the publications. They have the Rave Now, which is all of their trade show coverage. Uh, in about two weeks, they're going to go to ISE. Uh, then, obviously, you have, you have GovCom and Infocom and, and, and Cedia and stuff like that. And then you have the Rave Edge, which is videos and audio, which is where we live. And then you have the Ray Publications, which is still the breaking news, and that's where the blogs and stuff like that is. So if you, if you go there and you check that out, you will see Miss A.V. Dawn. She's there. She's at avdawn.com, and uh, she's a fabulous consultant and a very, very nice person. So thank you very much, Dawn. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, if you want to follow her on Twitter, she's also at A.V. Dawn. Rich Fergoza, fergozadesign.com, fergozadesign.com. Did I get it right? You got it. You nailed it this time. <laughs> I used to. And that's not the pharmaceutical grade drugs talking to you at this time. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. He's finally come down from the ledge. Uh, he does all sorts of things mainly. And you, you can correct me. I, I'm going to simplify what you do mainly. You go in and you, you, you design really great products, but a lot of times you just go in and fix problems. I am. I am. Uh, my job is I am a digital concierge for my clients' electronic lifestyles. That, that sounds fancy. Nice. It, it, exactly. Otherwise known as I, I stop the, the blinking 12 o'clock on VCRs. Very nice. <laughs> that is uh, definitely some Whiskers fancy feast there. Yeah. <laughs> also with this is Craig McCormick. He is from Commercial Integrator Magazine, uh, part of EH Publishing. He's from out in, in, in Boston. So he's a happy camper this weekend. Yes, Craig? Uh, yeah, and be happier if we have another uh, trip to the Super Bowl for the Patriots. And, and I'm I'm really hoping for a repeat of what was it Super Bowl f- like four or five years ago, where the Giants go in and you know. Speaking of which, there may be a live on-air bet if the Patriots and the 49ers do reach. So this could be our inaugural uh, AV Nation uh, Super Bowl Super bet. Bowl. Well, if it happens, I'll bring you two on next week just for that. So Right on. Uh, but you can find him at, at, at Craig McCormick on, on Twitter, but also at, at Commercial Integrator, uh, their website, and, uh, and their fine publication. So thank you, sir, for stopping by. Thank you for having me again. And uh, my good friend, my good buddy, um, Mr. Kevin Iselli, he is DM. hemorrhoids, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, I, I, I do appreciate Like I said, you. I like I always tell you, Tim, I'm not totally useless. I can always serve as a bad example. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but he is from Crestron. Um, <laughs> if you couldn't tell already, uh, he's from Crestron Electronics. He is. Uh, anytime you talk about DM or talk to Crestron about DM, he's one of the guys that they talk about because he is. Kind of, what is your official title? I I keep forgetting to ask you that. I'm the senior curriculum developer for Technical Training Institute. What he said. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Otherwise known as the guy I point at when I tell my kids, don't grow up to be that. Oh, exactly. <laughs> night. He's getting hot in here. All right. No respect. Uh, but no, thank you very much, sir. Um, my name is Tim Albright. If you want to follow me, it's at T.D. Albright. 
uh, on Twitter, but more importantly, please go by the website. Check out our other uh, publications. We've got a DIY show. We have an education show. We have a house of worship show. And we have, coming up this week, a social media show uh, with the mm-hmm. fabulous A.V. Dawn was on the, on the inaugural uh, episode, as well as George Tucker and, and some other folks. So that was that one post this week, as well as the education show, and obviously this one as well. So go by the website, ravepubs.com forward slash A.V. Nation, ravepubs.com forward slash A.V. Nation. Thanks so much for stopping by, and that's all the time we have for A.V. Week. Thank you.